The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the Tammy, the porcupine wrestler, Underwood. Ow. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. That sounds like it hurts. No, you would know. Like, I I would imagine that if you ever got caught for having sex with a porcupine, you'd automatically be the toughest chick in prison. That would... That is so gross. <laughs> a prick for a prick. Ah, you're so bad. No, I'm on a roll today. What am I going to do with you? Uh, as long as it doesn't involve the hand up my ass, I'm pretty good. <laughs> you're so horrible. <laughs> okay, so today we're doing part two of the Allentown Massacre. We Let's are. just get into it and get her done. Get it done. Yeah, because remember we left off with the... Uh, the boys, they, they had joined the the neo-Nazis, remember? Tattooed their foreheads, shaved okay, their heads. Yeah, I'm yeah. caught up now. You, you remember now? I, I couldn't remember the fucking show, yeah, to be honest. I, mean, I know, I'm telling you, it's been a long week. So, um, you know, they had all fled and everything, and um, the the one family member found them, remember? Um, and, ev- and all the neighbors were like, uh, yeah, we kind of saw it coming. Um, but you know, cause remember the three guys said that if they, if they were going to do something like this, they were going to become fugitives and go where? Yeah. Florida. Um, but of course, cause that's where all the freaks go. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, hold on. I don't want to mention any names of freaks that have been in Florida or like, live in Florida, like Otis tool and, uh, and, and, and Henry Lee Lucas, Henry Lee Lucas and Jen doll who's still living. I, in I think Florida. it's funny how you lump Jen doll with Otis and tool. You want to know why I'm still stuck. And I've talked to her about this many times. Like, okay, here's the thing. She actually said this. I want to taxidermy my dog when I get, when, when he dies and put a monocle on him. And a top hat. What the fuck is wrong with you? And she wants to do that to that wink? The wink, right? And then, and so I go, I'm pretty sure you're going to want to freaking taxidermy people. She said, well, I was thinking when you die, may, I'm a, <laughs> what in the living fuck is wrong with you? Like, I've now determined that Florida isn't even a real state. No. It is its own universe. Yeah. And yeah. crazy comes out of Florida and her name's Jen Doll. <laughs> Jen, you're fucking Well, I told you Jesus. she's in my phone as Crazy Jen Doll. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Jen. You're cute. And I love you. But you are a bucket of crazy. Maybe you need a mental institution and a little straight jacket. Mrs. Yeah. I want to skin everything in myself just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. So anyways, you know, so people believe that they were actually headed to Florida like they said they were going to, but they'd actually taken a very different route. To Jen's house. (laughs) They actually went west on I-78. The authorities received a tip from a truck driver who'd heard about the murders on the radio 
and he's he was the one that provided them with their best lead. He said that they were at Truck World Motor Inn in Hubbard, Ohio, just over the Pennsylvania Ohio border. You know, I have a problem with this whole thing already, and let me tell you why. What you're gonna? And I'm serious. I'm not even gonna make a joke. Your your plan is to become a fugitive, right? We've yes. established that. That's yes. the whole plan. Yes. You tattooed your head. Your fucking head. Yeah, you you shave your head. You shave your head and tattooed your forehead with things that are very noticeable. So you're not going to blend. It's not like you're going to sit yeah. there and go, "Hey, the cops are over there, so let's blend into this family of four that's getting like Burger King." No. Yeah, no. I mean, seriously, you could be in a crowd of a thousand plus people and somebody's going to go, "Hey, those are those jackasses right there." That the cops well, well, and that's exactly what this guy says. He said that once he saw these three young men who fit the description, because, you know, they didn't blend in very well with their bald heads and tattoos. <laughs> no shit. Christ, and then uh, they acquired uh, video surveillance from a nearby grocery store, which saw the three boys. And that tape was sent back to Allentown, where relatives gave positive identifications. Them's them motherfuckers right there. Yeah. <laughs> Can't well, mess them. See the tattoos? I know, exactly. And oh. some family met what? I just had a thought. Oh, shit. They were gonna maybe they were gonna go to Florida because remember on the Scotty and Squat show when we were doing that we had the oh, guy with the tattoo yeah, of Florida. Oh yeah, the tattoo of Florida on his forehead because he's see. from right here. That's same same. That's <laughs> same, same, same same. Yes, that's not no no. That's very that's much same, same same. Yeah. So, anyways, the family members, surviving family members, were actually afraid that the boys might come after them, so they were kind of happy to know that the guys had fled the state. Um, but then again, their grandfather believed that their cousin, Ben, was actually coerced into the brutal incident, that he was an unwilling participant. Um, but then some more phone calls that were made from the lodge to a home in Hope, Michigan. <laughs> they were hoping to get away. It doesn't sound like it I happened. Where they hope were hoping. is on the hand. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go again. <laughs> Hey, it's home. actually 30 miles south northwest of Saginaw. Is that near the Uper? No, the Uper's up here. <laughs> I don't think that any... Yeah, no, I'm not yeah. going to even fucking hand to do that. That's yeah, stupid. so they had fled more than 600 miles away from their home to the that of an associate by the name of Frank Hess, another uh, neo-Nazi skinhead. Um, whom One of his head was tattooed too, <laughs> like a jackass. That Brian had met at a concert he had attended in Detroit. Now, Frank welcomed them, but they didn't tell him about the murders. That d- The day they arrived, they all went ice fishing. And then when they returned h- back to Frank's house at 6 p.m., the FBI had the place surrounded. And they ordered the men to come, the boys to come out, and they did. And they were immediately placed into custody. Um, now, the... According to reports, the brothers, Brian and David, thought, hey, we're juveniles, so, you know, we're going to be tried as juveniles. And so they made a plan ahead of time. They said that if they were ever captured, they would take the heat for the murders rather than let their cousin, who was already an adult, face the death penalty. David, who was considered a juvenile in Michigan, waived his right to an attorney and quickly offered up a statement. He said that him and Brian were home on the, on the afternoon of February 26th at approximately 3 p.m. And they talked about going out to eat at Wendy's and then they went to a movie. Now, this is what I find hard to believe. 
He said that they called Ben and had Ben pick him up. And they went to Wendy's and stayed there till about 8 p.m. And then they went over to the theater where David went to go see Murder in the First, which is actually a very good movie. But he said the other two boys went to go see Boys on the Side. See, I would think that they went to go see Little Mermaid. That would have been a more... Hey, and we went and saw well, Little Mermaid because, you know, it's a whole new world. I can see you going to see Boys on the Side because it's a Drew Barrymore movie, but <laughs> I can't see two neo-Nazi skinheads going to see Boys on the Side. I wouldn't see it in the movie theater, and I'll tell you why, because apparently it's inappropriate to masturbate <laughs> in a public theater unless you're in a porn theater. It is. It is very... I don't know, though. Pee Wee Herman got in trouble for it in a porn theater. Well, okay, no, that's that, that's him. But I tell you what, man, Drew Barrymore, if you're listening to this, baby, <laughs> yeah, you got my number. Just lift yeah. that, lift that restraining order. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Just lift it once, please. <laughs> and then I'll lift you as many times as you want. Oh, mm. poor, poor Drew. I would bury my head in her ass. You have no idea. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. I've heard you talk about her. So, anyways, um, when they returned home about 12, uh, 10.30 that night, Dennis and Eric were already asleep, but Brenda had been waiting up for him, you know, because they had strict curfews for the boys of 11 p.m., and the boys didn't like her rules. So, rather than face her because they knew she had waited up, they snuck in through the basement window and went into the family room. They decided they were going to call some friends and then sneak back out and go drinking. Um, but the, but they needed Ben in his car for that. So Brenda actually heard them downstairs, went downstairs and told the boys to go to sleep. And they continued to talk and she came back downstairs. And that time she saw Ben there. So she asked him to leave. He, of course, left. But then as soon as she left the room, he crawled back in through the window. And then she heard them all again. And she went back down again and... According to reports, um, she told Ben to go home again, and he, he again left and then crawled back through the window again to come back inside. And they were all in David's room when she, she came down for the final time. Accord, uh, David said that that's when her and Brian began yelling at each other, uh, but he had remained in his room and did not see what actually happened. But at that point, his story grew very vague. He... Uh, clearly was implicating his brother in his mother's murder. And then Brian told, he said that Brian told them that you better not puss out or you'll get stabbed too. Then he ordered David and Ben to go upstairs to take care of Dennis and Eric. David said that he had killed them both and that Ben had gone from room to room but had not participated in the murders. Um, he'd only taken money from David's, uh, I'm sorry, not David, but... He had taken money from Dennis's wallet, and that's the extent of Ben's involvement. They, then he said that they placed the knives they've used in the kitchen sink and the bat in the dining room. Then they changed their clothes before they left. Now, investigators who heard that story believed that he was being sincere, but they didn't know that it was full of holes. Um, it wasn't long before another story. Uh, story. Another version of the story came to light, and that was Ben's version. Um, was Ben's last name Dover? Birdwell. Oh, I thought it was Dover. Ben no. Dover. No, I gotcha. I heard. I understood <laughs> where that one was going. Ben Dover now, in Deep Impact Nine. <laughs> now, anyways, so 
Ben's parents were actually separated, but they both flew, drove down to Michigan to be with him. And he had a juvenile record already for theft, but other than that, he had not been in any serious trouble. And they couldn't believe that he had actually taken part in the murders. He confirmed this when he told them that they that the brothers had forced him into it and the subsequent fleeing the area. Yet he too had berserker tattooed on his forehead, right? Which clearly made him an associate of theirs. Now he also described that they went to Wendy's and they went to the movies, but he told his mother how Brenda had ordered him several times to leave the house, but each time he had always gone back in. Then he said that Brenda and Brian got into the fight and Brian ran into his room, grabbed a steak knife and came back out. And when Brenda tried to run, Brian caught her and put his hand over her mouth and stabbed her in the back. He said that what a backstabber. I know. He said that Brenda fell to the floor, but got back up, pulled the knife out of her back and then started towards her son. And at that point, Brian and Brenda struggled over the knife, but he gained, regained control and stabbed her again in the shoulder, this time all the way up to the hilt of the knife. And she tried to scream, but he shoved a pair of shorts into her mouth so she wouldn't wake up his father. You know, here, here's the fucked up thing. No matter what story they tell, yeah. if you have berserker or anything tattooed on your forehead, even the state of Florida, nothing you say is credible. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just being serious. Yeah. Like, you could have legit been the victim of a crime, you know, and you defended yourself. But you have some lame-ass freaking... I mean, if you want to tattoo your head, tattoo your head. That's your freaking choice. But if you have something like that tattooed on your fucking forehead... Like Nico Jenkins. Like Nico Jenkins. You could literally be sitting there with knife wounds going, I was attacked. I defended myself, you know. And they're going to look at you and go, no, nah, you're full of shit. Yeah. Automatically. Because your appearance is how people judge you right from the get-go exactly well and that's true that's true i mean and that's why my tattoos are all in places where i can cover them up if i need to oh like that one above your butt that says two for one sale fuck off asking for a friend just asking for a friend <laughs> just asking for a friend now um according to ben he said that once brian had killed um brenda uh, they knew that they had to also kill Dennis and Eric. And he said that he stayed in the basement while um, Brian and David went upstairs and killed the father and the brother. He said that Brian said, if you puss out, I'm going to kill you too. Then once Dennis and Eric were dead, Brian yelled for Benny to come upstairs. So he did. He said that he saw Brian covered in blood, and but David had little evidence that he had been involved in the crime. Um, before they left, Brian changed his clothes and David went outside and puked in the backyard. Then they grabbed $200 from Dennis's wallet and left in the family car. Looks like Berserker wasn't what he should have had. Uh, no tattooed on his head. should have been puker. Yeah, exactly. So then they argued about where they were going to go before they settled on uh, Frank Hess's house in Michigan. Now, on the way, they discussed returning to make it look like a, the... Like an intruder had come in, bent on robbery, and killed the people. But then uh, they heard on the news that the bodies had been discovered, so they knew returning home wasn't their option. Now, Donna Birdwell, Benny's mom, was so upset that her, her son had, quote, been forced into the situation that um, 
she actually went and told the reporter what Ben had told her. And then when the Freeman brothers, when Brian and David read the article, they just knew that it, you know, how dare he try to exonerate himself. Um, so they, that's when they asked for attorneys and they offered to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. So help them God. Right. With a Bible and everything, except yes. it says berserker on your fucking forehead. I'm pretty sure automatically you're full of shit. And I'm just saying, I'm only no, pointing I agree this out. With you. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like I said, when, when people see other people, your first impression is is based on appearance. Yeah. Okay. So like when I'm no exception to that. Okay. When people see me, they automatically think this guy's a big mean biker. Probably went to prison, and he looks aggressive. Or a cop. <laughs> only when I'm going. No, only when I'm in a suit and a tie going to visit a freaking serial killer. Then they go, "Excuse me." You look like law enforcement. No, no. Are you a detective? You're a detective? No. <laughs> I detect vagina, but outside so of bad. that, that's just a little tipperoo if uh, Jen Dahl comes back out here. I do detect vagina. <laughs> I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. Oh, my God. It's always something. No, but, you know, so you're, you show up, you know, and it says berserker on your fucking head. Yeah. And automatically, people are like, "This is this this guy. He's a neo-Nazi. He has berserker tattooed on his head. He's obviously highly, highly, highly aggressive. And that doesn't matter if you're coming in there farting fairy dust and rainbows with flowers. <laughs> They're that is what they see. Exactly. And exactly. It's actually it's a it's a it, it's true. It, it's a defense mechanism. Like when you see a full grown fucking lion, yes, and you're in the same area. There's like nothing guarding you. What's the first thing you think? This lion is going to eat me. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be lion food. Yeah, so I need to extricate myself from the situation before I'm in harm's way. Yes. So you're looking at this guy, and that's the same thing you think. This sucker looks really aggressive. Exactly. No matter how nice he might act, that's what people think. So yeah. uh, any credibility for them goes out the freaking window. Out the window. Well, and that's just it. But, you know, Brian, you know, being the eldest of the two brothers, had some conditions he had to have before he would make his statement. Please tell me it's M&M's and, uh, and, and purple drink. <laughs> no. That'd be funny, though. Um, where was... Oh, no. He wanted he wanted to make sure the death penalty was taken off the table. He and his brother would not give up their right to a trial, but they wanted to be given an interview to... They wanted to give an interview to a reporter of their choice. Now, the prosecutor, Allentown prosecutor Robert Steinberg, wasn't happy with that idea. But since they were offering him the means and motive of the crime... As long as they told the truth, then he agreed to make the deal with them. So on March 6th, which happened to be the same day the funerals were held for uh, Dennis, Brenda, and Eric, um, David went and made his another statement with the authorities in front of, uh, sat down with a tape recorder and several police, police officers from Pennsylvania and an attorney and said what he knew. He said that, he said that his first statement was a lie to protect his cousin, Ben. 
Then he waved his rights and jumped right in. He said that once again, how they had spent the evening and how Brian had stabbed Brenda. And then he said that he and Ben had gone upstairs together to Dennis's room and Ben had a pickaxe handle with him. And David had grabbed the aluminum bat out of the hallway closet. They argued quietly over who was going to deliver the first blow. He said that Ben did and that Ben had cut Dennis's throat. David said that, uh, admitted that he did strike his father four times in the face. He also said that Ben was the one who killed Eric when he cracked his skull with just a few well-delivered blows. Uh, he said that Ben had told them that Eric's eye popped out of his head and hung there after he hit him. And David had looked in Eric's room before he went downstairs and saw the blood. And that's when he went into the dining room and vomited. Um, while David and his brother changed clothes, Ben kept his dirty clothing. And they dropped off his girlfriend's car, got gas, cigarettes, and then headed to Ohio. Um, and that's when they uh, bought some new clothes for Ben so he could throw his old ones away. Now, Brian was the next one to give a statement, and he basically said the same thing, but he kind of filled in some gaps, uh, especially when it came to his own involvement in his mom's murder. He said that after he killed his mom, Ben was still downstairs with him, and he'd use the handle of the pickaxe to hit her over the head as well. Then he went upstairs to help David. At that point, Brian started crying, like, you know, he felt bad for what he did. Now, he did say that Ben had told them that he hit both Dennis and Eric in the face and that he had shattered Eric's skull. But Brian denied that he'd instructed the two to go kill the rest of the family. He said that he also never th uh, never threatened his parents in advance and that they were only taking the rap for Ben because it was Ben's idea because... Uh, Brian had already done time in a mental institution, so that would help mitigate the crime. Um, and then as soon as he was finished with his statements, he stopped crying. You know, got to give that little bit of remorse, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. I'm going to start crying every time I do anything. Like I walk outside, I'm so sorry, I came outside. Except for one crazy Cheryl, not our listener, but the one that lives next door to me is out there. That I'm, and that's, just, that's legit tears because that's I'm definitely afraid. That's legit tears, yes. That is legit. I cry every time I see her. Um, now, they all agreed. Uh, the The brothers were charged with three counts of first-degree murder, while Ben was charged with hindering, appreh uh, hindering apprehension. They all agreed to be extradited back to Pennsylvania, and they drew a map for the authorities to say where they had uh, thrown Ben's clothes away. And when they sent the police out there, they couldn't find anything. But they did find a... A clerk who said that she saw Ben purchasing a new pair of jeans, so they reserved ha her as a witness. Um, and hey, then man, they the found. I just want some fucking jeans. I buy pants right? all the time. Doesn't make no, me a criminal. No, you don't. I do too. I have three new pairs of jeans. I think that I bought within the last couple of months. Oh wow! I still haven't made my goodwill bag to get rid of the shit that I have, but I'm working <laughs> the, on it. The, let's, the, let's the not time. quite black anymore clothes. Like I said. I've got multiple colors in my closet. I have black, used to be black, might not ever be black again, and should be thrown out. <laughs> so um, they did find a pair of blue shirt, a blue t-shirt that Ben had worn that had spots of blood on it. So they sent that out to a lab for DNA analysis. Now, once the guys, once the 
guys were back in Allentown in the Lehigh County Jail, Brian and David went, they were put in the same cell. Now, according to Pennsylvania law, any juvenile who commits homicide is tried as an adult. However, they do retain the, uh, the right to hold the, hold the proceedings in a juvenile court if they choose. Now, the, boys, the brothers were not granted bail. But uh, Ben's bail was set at $250,000. And his parents automatically hired him an attorney. And uh, Brian was assigned public defender. Earl Supley and Jim Netjen were his public defenders. And David's public defenders were Wally Worth and Brian Collins. <laughs> um, <laughs> however... It was worth the trial. Right. However... As this case was unfolding, another incident happened to grab local headlines. Now, once, once the news of the Freeman family massacre hit the news, 16-year-old Jeffrey Howarth, um, also from Allentown, was captivated by the story. However... He told his brother later reported that he would watch the news just uh, enthralled with it. But he called the brothers dumb for getting caught. Yet he had no affinity for their ideas or their method of aggression. He hated racism and he was a member of the swim team at high, in high school and an average student. He'd never been in any trouble he was considered quiet, shy, and good nature, but he was stewing on the inside. Um, and few people saw it, but his mother had started limiting her hours at work because she just knew that her youngest son was having trouble somewhere. He was having difficulty, and she was right. Now, they lived approximately 10 miles from the Freemans, and Jeffrey, too, had it had um, made it known that he wanted to kill his parents. He had even told his older brother, Stephen, who was home from Penn State at the time, uh, what the Freeman brothers had done and how it, it encouraged him to commit the same crime. Now, he would watch the reports, and as after the brothers were found and arrested by March 1st, he had already formulated his own plan to carry out. Um on the morning, on the afternoon of March second, he loaded a twenty-two caliber rifle and waited for his father to get uh, enter the house from the garage into the kitchen. And at five p.m., forty-six-year-old George Howard came in and Jeffrey shot him point blank in the stomach, killing him. He then shot him four more times. One bullet hit him in the face, and three others were the front of his head. Now, of course, he died where he laid. And then when Susan came home 15 minutes later, she saw her husband laying on the floor in a pool of blood. She dropped her purse and she wasn't able to comprehend what was happening at the time. But as soon as Jeffrey saw her, he too shot her in the face. Yet she didn't die. She absorbed the impact of the bullet and managed to get to the garage door before he caught her and pulled her back into the dining room, kicking and screaming. And then he shot her. A uh, total of nine times, three in the front and six in the back. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, go big or go home. Right. Then he, you know, 
<laughs> once once he was done, he just calmly went to the sink, washed his hands, put his rifle, ammunition, and camping equipment into his mom's Chevy Lumina because um, he knew his brother Steve would be home any minute, and he wanted to be gone. Uh, and, in fact, he, it was only minutes after Jeffrey left that Stephen did come back home, and it's all he found were his parents laying in a pool of their own blood and a note from Jeffrey saying, I told you I would do it, Steve. You can't say I didn't warn you. Holy shit. Well, there's some condemning yeah. evidence right there. Yeah. You might as well write. Dude, I, I hope this dude gets this message. Dude, you might as well have written Dear Diary. I know, right? I'm fixing to be murdering, and this is how I did it. It was right? a good day. That's it's the same thing. That's same, 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 same. Well, and that's just it. Is I mean, he packed up his mom's Chevy Lumina and he took off and went until he ran out of gas two days later in Callaway County, Missouri, just an hour west of St. Louis. He had two dollars left to his name, and he bought over five hundred rounds of ammunition. Um. Yeah, he had taken over 500 rounds of ammunition, a 22 caliber rifle, and a 12-gauge shotgun. But when the police found his car, he just calmly walked out of the woods and turned himself over. Well, here's the thing there, Jack Hall. You should have really spent some of that money on gas or food. I mean, just, just say it. Just trying, trying to help you out there. Trying to help. Yeah. Do you know why he was mad at his parents? Uh, they didn't get him a new Nintendo? No, because they wanted him to go to college. Notice the silence because that's know, so fucking right? stupid. My brain's sitting there going, Yeah. Huh? Yeah, he was angry because his parents wanted him to go to college, which is what gave him the idea to kill them. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ, man. See, yeah. that's a kid who needed a good ass whooping as a kid. Right. Well, and then they found one note from him, you know, because apparently they found a lot of his writings after he was arrested. And one note said that he um the kids from Salisbury Township were cool. They killed their parents, and he hoped to have a movie made about his crime one day. Jesus Christ, now, man. But the, here's the thing, is that Jeffrey's crimes barely made local headlines, while the Freeman's crimes made national, international headlines. You know what I mean? Because, of course, they were neo-Nazis, and they had, you know, larger-than-life type crimes, whereas his was, you know, nothing. Um, now... Uh, the D.A. Steinberg actually went over the statements of the uh, Brian and David, and he realized that there were some inconsistencies. So at that point, he believed that they had lied to him. And since his deal was made on the condition that they tell the truth, they violated that their deal. And so he called it off. He announced that uh, he would accept a plea of first-degree murder from any of them. But if they chose to go to trial, he was seeking the death penalty. He was convinced that Ben had killed Eric, beaten Dennis, and traveled uh, and walked through the house to make sure everyone was dead. But he still didn't have the DNA results yet from that shirt. Now, defense attorneys for the brothers and for Ben sought ways to put the various confessions into doubt or get at least two of the cases transferred to juvenile court. Now, making such a decision, the judge can consider the degree of criminal sophistication, the maturity of the offenders, and their amenability to treatment. Clearly, David had a better shot than Brian of being uh, tried as juvenile. And they looked into getting the charge against him reduced to third-degree murder. Now, his arraignment was on April 26 in Lehigh County Courthouse. Um, Brian and David sat on the left with David... And 
you know, David was with his attorneys um, while Brian sat with his attorneys and Ben was on the, uh, sat in the jury box to be arraigned at the separate, as a separate time. Now, Lehigh County Coroner Isidore Mahalikas. See, now that is not, that, that's a name that should not be in anything public. And I'll tell you why. If you can't fucking pronounce it. <laughs> like if your name is something like, hi, my name is Bala 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 Knock Knock Knock. No, no, you change your name to something easy. Like your name is Bob or Fred or or Mike. <laughs> Nobody's calling you Bala 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 Knock Knock. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's Greek. Mahalikis. M I H A L A K I S. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> Dude, I got the Mahalikas. Oh, damn. Yeah. They gave me a shot. They said it's at least 10 days until anybody can touch my wiener. Yeah. Anyway, so he said, the coroner said that he believed Dennis was struck first six times in the head and seven to the chest, which fractured ribs and his breastbone. He also found a superficial cut along Dennis's neck and fractures to his nose, eye sockets, and left jaw. The brain had come through a four-inch fracture in his forehead, and he'd been hit three to five times in the face with two different weapons. Holy That smokes. says that he was struck by two different people, right? Uh, unless the dude's trying to just change it up. But you know what? He used a hammer. Maybe now I want to use, I don't know, a pipe wrench. <laughs> yeah. Now, according to the coroner, um, Brenda died from deep stab wounds. There was a stab wound to the tip of her right shoulder that had gone at least five inches deep and a stab wound to her right scapula that went through her lung and into her heart, causing her to bleed out. In addition, he counted eight blows to her head, one of which had been to the back. And Wally Worth, David's attorney, asked the coroner how much blood Brenda had lost, and he recorded about one and one-half liters. At that rate, she was losing blood. It would have not taken her long to die at all. Now, Eric bore several blunt force injuries to his forehead, the left side of his face, his left arm, and the back of his hands. His brain, too, had protruded from one wound, and there were injuries to the face and head, including bruises and lacerations. His hands were fractures, and his left forearm was bruised indicating that he probably tried to defend himself. Eric died from head injuries caused by the aluminum bat. Now, Valerie Freeman is the one who had found them, um, found the bodies, and she described a history of just tension in the house. Then they called several more witnesses, and the judge ruled that the prosecution had made its case and the brothers were going to trial. Now, Steinberg reiterated his deal. He said, if you want to plead guilty to first degree murder and serve life in prison, go ahead. But I'm not giving you lesser charges. And of course, neither one accepted that deal. Instead, their attorneys continued with their plans to get the boys tried as juveniles. And that hearing was set for later that fall. Now, that's the end of part two, because we have a ways to go and I don't want to get, you know, into it. So you want to wrap it up and then we'll finish part three? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. You you do what you you feel necessary there, big guy. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium. Crime Beat on Medium and wherever you get your blogs. Join Facebook. 
Log on to the Citizens of Bay. Ba- ah. Citizen of the Brutal Nation. Thank you. I got. Well, I'm over here eating cashews. Oh. So. Got nuts in your mouth? <laughs> I do. Big nuts. <laughs> These nuts. <laughs> These nuts. That is show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will talk to you guys later on. Bye bye. Bye everybody.